Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today is July 1st, 2022, and I wanted to give an update on some things we've been following with the Federal Reserve. Remember, if you haven't already read my book, It's the Fed Stupid, you can get a copy for free at itsthefedstupid.com. You can download the PDF for free. And you can also purchase a paperback copy if you have the means after filling your gas tank and buying groceries. And of course, I understand if you don't. And really the point of that book, which is a collection of essays I've written over the past 10 to 12 years, is that while politicians affect specific parts of the economy, usually negatively, almost always negatively, with their actions. And I'm talking about presidents with their executive actions, like Joe Biden and his effect on gasoline prices from closing pipelines and other economically destructive policies, or Trump's tariffs, which sent manufacturing into a recession, counter to what he said it was going to do, and just, of course, made everything more expensive for the people in our country where we're paying more to get the same items and therefore have nothing left over to buy extra items like we did before. While these policies are destructive, that what politicians do almost always causes economic harm, that no institution comes close to the effect that the Federal Reserve has on the economy as a whole and the overall wealth of most Americans in the country. So definitely get a copy of that and read through it if you haven't already. But I want to share some developments that are a lot more recent and not quite as widely covered in the book, and that is what's going on with the Fed's balance sheet and how the reverse repo market is affecting it. So as regular listeners of the show probably already know, June 2022, the month we just finished yesterday, was supposed to be the first month where the Fed engages in what they call quantitative tightening. And what this means is 
They're not just raising interest rates. Okay, That's a separate policy move now by the Fed. It didn't used to be, but it is now. But they're actually going to allow the assets on their balance sheet to start to roll off without replacing them. Now, in the old days when the Fed wanted to raise the overnight Fed funds rate, they would sell securities to their member banks whom had no choice but to buy them and thereby remove cash out of the the bank accounts and therefore out of circulation in the economy. And by decreasing the money supply, it would make money more scarce. And therefore, if you wanted to borrow money, even overnight between banks, then you were going to have to pay a higher rate because that's the price of borrowing money goes up as the supply of money goes down, just supply and demand. And I know I've covered this before. I just like to remind people and especially new people who might not be aware of this, that after 2008, raising the interest rate and decreasing the money supply were not as directly connected anymore because after the Fed had purchased so many treasury securities and mortgage-backed securities off of the market and flooded the economy with so many dollars, uh, member banks actually started to build up large deposits in what's called excess reserves. And these are not counted in the M1, M2, or other money supply measures. So these excess reserves are kind of parked at the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve started paying, for the first time, paying interest on these reserves to their banks. And this is part of the reason why we didn't see as much price inflation after that tidal wave of money in 2008. There are a lot of other reasons covered on a recent couple of podcasts by Bob Murphy. So if you don't listen to the Bob Murphy show as well, you can go check those out. And he finally comes up with a satisfactory reason for all of us why we didn't see more price inflation after 2008. Now, remember, we did see the effects of all that money flooding the system and that prices didn't fall. Prices are supposed to fall in a recession and they they kept going up by one and two percent. Of course, that's our normal experience, even in the regular old economy in the 20th century and 21st centuries. In the 19th century, prices generally fell over time which is what would happen under a sound monetary system where the economy keeps becoming more and more productive. Of course, the prices of the things that it produces should decrease because there's just more stuff. So that is something that I, I cover in It's the Fed Stupid, that it's not normal for prices to even very slowly go up over time. What, what should be the normal experience is that everything keeps getting cheaper as society becomes more productive. But in any case, after the flood of money that the Federal Reserve printed in 2020 through the end of 2022, and remember that it was increasing its balance sheet all the way up to just a few months ago when it peaked in April at, according to one chart that it publishes, $8.962 trillion. And although it was raising interest rates starting in March, it hadn't stopped increasing the money supply. 
because it was still buying securities off the market and adding to its balance sheet on net, even as it was adding interest rates. So the way, and just to close the loop I started a few minutes ago, since 2008, the way that the Fed raises the interest rate is not to sell securities off its balance sheet into the market and thereby withdraw dollars. It's instead to raise the rate of interest it pays banks on its excess reserves, something they never really had before 2008. And by raising that interest rate, let's say if I raise it from 1% to 1.25, well, then the banks are not going to lend at any rate below 1.25 on the open market when they're guaranteed 1.25% from the Fed. So now there's kind of this separation between the money supply and the federal funds rate, the interest rate that's the benchmark for the Fed. So it starts raising interest rates in March of 2022, and it has been saying all along it was going to start decreasing its balance sheet, which could mean selling securities into the market and thereby subtracting dollars. But it's not going to do it that fast, it said, the Fed said, Jay Powell said, and others. Instead, what it was going to do is allow those assets that's on its balance sheet to just kind of age off and not replace them as fast as they're aging off and thereby let the balance sheet come down gradually. And remember, if you're talking about a treasury or a T-bill or some kind of United States government security or a mortgage-backed security, those collect payments. So payments, anything the Fed is holding in the way of some kind of loan security has payments coming in. And as those payments come in, those dollars are withdrawn from circulation in the general economy. They're, they really go out of existence. The Fed doesn't have a a bank vault full of something physical. These are just digital dollars that are created out of thin air with a keyboard. And as they come into the Fed and, and make payments on the securities that it has, and those securities get retired, then its balance sheet goes down, those dollars go out of existence. So this past month, it was supposed to decrease its balance sheet by $45 billion. Now, I'm going to link to the balance sheet as of June 30th, 2022, the total assets for the Federal Reserve and total liabilities is listed at $8.975 trillion. So that's higher than the peak back in April of $8.965. Let's take a short break for this important message. If you're enjoying the content here at Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, please check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. You can become a supporter of the show at any level you wish, starting at just $3 per month. All members get machine transcripts of all podcasts and access to my members-only MeWe group. If you're an all-access patron, you'll also get special member-only content, including exclusive blog posts and videos. And VIP patrons receive access to all my online courses and a free signed copy of the Tom Mullen book of your choice. 
So again, check it out at patreon.com slash Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Become a supporter of the show today. And now let's get back to our episode. I don't know if the chart they put out excludes a few billion here or there because there's only so many charts I can link to and and look at. But according to this balance sheet that they published either this morning or as of yesterday, the Fed's balance sheet went down by $11.1 billion in the past week. Now, again, the chart I'll link to does not include the last week. It only includes up to Wednesday, June 22nd. And at that point, it it said that the Fed's balance sheet was 8.934. So considerably less than it says it is on June 30th. Again, I'm not sure that this chart is completely in line with the exact assets and liabilities. So in any case, it doesn't seem like the Fed's balance sheet went down. Now, I know this is a moving target, and the reason I say that is, as I said, they're they're retiring assets or allowing them to kind of roll off the balance sheet as payments come in. So it's not like they're just saying, here, I'm going to get $45 billion worth of assets and just sell them at once. That's not what they're doing. Or even one-fourth of that every week over the course of a month. They're They're trying to let them roll off faster than they repurchase them. So we'll have to wait and see if the Fed's balance sheet actually does go down. A couple of the things that we can look at in terms of what's affecting inflation, and I want to I go through what they count as an asset and a liability, because it's really kind of funny for the Fed to even speak in terms of a balance sheet with liabilities being largely dollars they create out of thin air. But let, let's walk through it. So out of that 8.975 trillion securities outright are 8.8 8.48 trillion of that some kind of security. Now 5.7 trillion are some kind of government bond or note and about 2.7 trillion are mortgage backed securities and then there's a list of much smaller items of things the Fed has bought. And remember, they were out there buying corporate bonds and all kinds of things during the 2020 bailouts. So they've got all kinds of nonsense on their sheet. And that all adds up to the $8.975 trillion. Now, what's a liability for the Fed? So what they list as their liabilities are currency and circulation, which they list at $2.2 trillion. And that sounds like, wow, that's just a small of everything that's out there. But they also have about a trillion dollars in deposits with Federal Reserve banks other than reserve balances. So those excess reserves I talked about that the Fed uses to control the Fed funds right now, this trillion dollars is is just money parked in reserve balances other than that. And then there's 3.1 trillion of 
the total 8.975 trillion in liabilities, 3.1 trillion is just excess reserves that are sitting at the Federal Reserve Bank collecting interest. And that still leaves a hole of about 2 trillion. And the other 2.4 trillion that they list as a liability, something that they would owe in return for these dollars that are out there, is reverse repurchase agreement. So you might remember, and I also talked about this in my book, that in 2019, the Fed had to start bailing out the repurchase market, the repo market. And what that is, is when people show up looking for cash, and they have treasuries to sell. If there are no willing buyers of the treasuries, the Fed will go in there and buy the treasuries from these banks in a repurchase agreement. So what makes that different from a regular open market operation is that when you do a repo agreement, yeah, I'm going to buy this treasury, but the contract says you're going to buy it back usually within 24 hours sometimes as much as two weeks, but usually this is overnight. So why would anyone want to do that? Well, the banks have obligations to have certain amounts of cash and to meet their obligations. Sometimes they need some just overnight, just to go into the next business day. And so they will you know, sell us a security that they hold, a treasury bond, and someone else will buy it for cash. And then on the agreement that they will buy that security right back the next day. And the, the original buyer is going to get a little premium for that. Just a little extra interest, very low interest rate to, to loan that cash overnight, basically. So it's almost like that treasury is a collateral, but strictly speaking, it changes hands for 24 hours. Obviously nothing moves anywhere, but this is all by contract. All right, so what's a reverse repurchase? Well, it's exactly the opposite when the Fed supplies a security to a bank and 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 takes cash away from the bank overnight. It's almost like you're loaning money to the Fed. And then the Fed will repurchase that security that it sold you the next day, usually 24 hours later. So it's the opposite of the repo market. Now, one reason that you might have to have this is if there is a shortage of treasury bonds out there and people cannot find you know, a, tr- a willing seller of a treasury bond. But really what's been happening here is you have banks with excess reserves of cash beyond what they've parked in their, at the Fed and beyond what they've loaned out to lenders it's willing to lend to. So this is almost like another way to park money in addition to the excess reserves, but it's only parking that money overnight. So in other words, it's it's giving cash to the Fed and the Fed's giving it a treasury bond, let's say, and then the very next day the Fed is buying back that treasury bond and paying the quote-unquote lender to the Fed the cash plus a tiny little bit of interest. So you would think that would be inflationary, But what the Fed has been doing is they have been selling enough securities into this reverse repo market for about the last year that the balance has risen to $2.4 trillion. So you can see that out of that huge amount of money that the Fed created, 
of $2.4 trillion right now is tied up with these ongoing overnight transactions that the Fed is doing fast enough to stay ahead of the cash that would be going out in those small increments in interest it's paying the next day or in two weeks or whatever when it buys back that security. And if you remember the last time Tom Luongo was on the show, when I mentioned the amount, the money supply outstanding, he mentioned that a lot of it was sanitized in the reverse repo markets. That's the meaning of what he was talking about there. So I've read quite a bit of different perspectives on what's going on in the reverse repo market. And at least some people look at this as a tightening that's really been going on, kind of stealth tightening for the last year. But you can see that it's kind of a stalemate. It's kind of tying that money up. But at any time, the Fed could allow that $2.4 trillion to just flow back out into the economy. So it's kind of a monetary time bomb all on its own. So as far as how all this could affect inflation, you know, you'd never know with all the different factors affecting prices. But in a vacuum, we can say this, that currency in circulation still continues to increase. It's up $98 million over what it was last year. So that's not a very big increase, but it's still up about a million dollars this week at the end of June over June 22nd. So that's the most liquid component of the Fed's liabilities. And cash reserves in at the bank, the excess reserves that the Fed uses to manipulate the interest rate, those have actually gone down over the past week. And they're down $650 million over the last year. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. We help each other when we don't mean to. That's what we call the invisible hand Something no politician understands Just leave it up to supply and demand And follow the gold Those would tend to add more pressure, upward pressure on prices in a vacuum with nothing else happening. Now you remember, the Fed is also trying to cause basically a recession 
and put more people out of work. That's their answer for bringing down the the price increases they caused with their monetary inflation. Well, we're going to make some people unemployed so they can't buy as much stuff and reduce demand. So you have that going on. So you can see what gibberish government economics are. They think, again, I've said this before, but the idea that the economy can overheat, that there could be too many people working, and all they really think about is the demand that they'll have from the prices they earn. They don't think about the supply that they've added from the products they produce. And in fact, and we have historical verification of this, when you don't have monetary inflation, as we didn't generally over the course of the 19th century relative to production, then you have decreasing prices. And the last thing that I I would like to say about the Fed's balance sheet, because I'd like you to take a look at it yourself, is just what a total scam it is overall. So you have these U.S. dollars that are created out of thin air, and anyone else's balance sheet, you've got all of my assets on one side, and you have the liabilities on the other. And liabilities are debts that I owe, and it's also owner equity. So in theory, all the shareholders could just claim their piece of the company. So that's a liability when when you're looking at a balance sheet. And the reason it balances is that when you include that owner equity, that all of the assets should be worth the same thing that all of the liabilities are worth, including owner equity. So the assets can include plant and equipment, that it can include accounts receivable, you know, money that's owed the company, and all kinds of, of other things that are real. With the Fed, the assets are all just securities that pay dollars. So you can't turn in the dollars that you have in theory, you know, none of us can go to the Fed and get anything for our dollars, but if you're somebody, if you're a bank that deals with the Fed, you can't go and get plants or equipment <laughs> for your dollars. You can't get any hard asset, anything real. You can just get a promise to pay you more dollars in the future. So in one respect, the balance sheet is a little more real since they started purchasing securities off the private markets like mortgage-backed securities and, and other securities only because somebody's got to produce something to pay the money on those, where in the past it was all government securities. But you can turn in your dollars for, let's say, a government bond, which is just a promise to pay you back what you just turned in plus a little bit of interest. So it's really kind of a scam as opposed to, let's say, a bank's balance sheet back in 1888, where it had these circulating notes as liabilities, and it had a whole bunch of physical gold in its vaults as the assets. So this is somewhat analogous to the so-called Social Security Trust Fund, where they spend all the money that you that they take out of your check the minute they get it. And then if there is a surplus, if they don't owe somebody else a payment today, back when there were surpluses, I should say, because now they don't even collect enough money to make all the payments. But back when there were surpluses, they would spend that money too and give you a treasury bond, which is just the written record of a debt that the government will pay you 
this money plus interest in the future. But again, you know, the Social Security Act itself is the written record of a debt. So it's a scam. It's, <laughs> it's, it's my, I am going to take money away from you in return for a promise to pay you a certain amount of money in the future. And of that money I just collected, some I'm just going to pay out to other people. Okay, so where am I going to get the money to pay you? And then anything left over, I'm going to spend on something else and replace that money that I collected from you and didn't need for other Social Security recipients with yet another promise to pay you money in the future, which can only be fulfilled by taxing somebody, namely you. (laughs) So... It really is just the scam of all scams. And the whole Federal Reserve balance sheet is constructed on somewhat the same logic. So if you ever feel like you're a hamster on a treadmill and you can't figure out why you can never really, you know, save and build equity and become more of a capitalist than just a worker, even though those are kind of arbitrary constructs, well, this is a big reason why. Because our system is set up to constantly transfer purchasing power away from you and up to the investment class who gets that money first, acquires wealth producing assets, and then if they get themselves in trouble taking too much risk, they get bailed out. And in the meantime, you pay higher prices than you would have had this whole cycle not happened because there's ever more money in the money supply, something that is not necessary for a functioning economy. This whole idea that liquidity might dry up. You know what it means when liquidity is drying up? That means that people are choosing not to invest in something. And when the Fed inserts liquidity into the market, it's overriding those decisions and stealing from every holder of every dollar to redirect that purchasing power towards somebody who will make the investment the Fed wants it to make. So, and this is also not the free market at work. In the free market, you could say, no, I don't want to buy. So anyway, rant concluded. I'm going to post links to some of these different measures of Federal Reserve activity, the money in circulation, the balance sheet overall, the balance sheet trends, and what's going on for your consideration. And I hope maybe some of these comments shed a little light on what you're looking at. Don't forget also to check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. I've been pretty good about posting weekly members-only content there. If you are a middle $5 a month member, you get access to all that exclusive content If you're a VIP member, you can also get access to my online courses. So please consider supporting the show and becoming a member. That's again at patreon.com slash Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. And if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at tommullensings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.